Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and on location, or on-premise and on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept or premise. In this episode, we're discussing composable infrastructure. Is this just another buzzword for blade servers? Is this just the next generation blade? Or is this really a radical difference? Uh, I would love it to be a radical difference, but frankly, looking at a lot of the products, it's just Blade Servers 2.0. Before we begin talking, let's meet the panel today. I'm Stephen Foskett at sfoskett on Twitter. Hi, I'm Chan, um, Chan EK81 on Twitter. I'm Enrico Signoretti, a Signoretti on Twitter. So let's talk about this. So composable infrastructure is, uh, you know, it's one of the big buzzwords. It's a, lot of com a lot of companies are talking about it. Um, and um, it sounds like a great idea. You know, Chan and I were talking, you know, we were talking about it before, and you said uh, something which I really enjoy, that, that basically it's, you know, it's infrastructure that software can reconfigure, it's dynamic infrastructure with APIs and integration and so on. Uh, that sounds like a new thing, right? Um, it is and it is not. Um, HP started that back in the days with Flex Fabric, if you ask me, really. Um, putting an API in front of hardware and making it modular. Uh, is what essentially defines composable or kinetic infrastructure to me, really, regardless of whether it's blade or rack mounts. Enrico? So I think that all this composable infrastructure, or at least this generation of composable infrastructure, is, uh, is just blade 2.0. I'm, I'm not... Uh, uh, so my problem is today that if I look at the product, so the... They are all limited products, and they are limited to a chassis most of the time. So, uh, and when I think about composable infrastructure, just the word infrastructure is not composable chassis. Infrastructure for me is a world data center. So we are missing uh, something here. Maybe it's just that it, this is the first generation of product. But yes, maybe the second generation after, after Flex Fabric, after the first generation of UCS, after you know, Dell, whatever, I don't remember now. But that's, that's a problem. It's just marketing at the moment. Yeah, that is correct. I think if you look at what the composability means, at least to me, um, what virtualization did to compute, um, abstracting that identity into a virtual layer, doing that at hardware, one of the underpinning requirements for that is the backplane, or what we call the backplane, or the connectivity between those different um, infrastructure nodes. Um, and it's easier to do that with a, chassis, uh, with a blade infrastructure, right? Now, Dell's just proven that you don't have to do that with the launch of MX, where there's no concept of backplane. So as the technology evolves, I think you'll probably see the next generations having different rack mount infrastructure with, with uh, con um, connectivity backplane that will bring that closer so you can start doing composable or kinetic uh, infrastructure provisioning on demand at a modular level, regardless of which frame or the sled or the um, tin piece of tin that it resides on, in the way that the blades let you do that today? Yeah, but my problem is, okay, um, blade or not blade, whatever. If I, I don't want to have the lock-in, okay, so even if the that technology is good, for me, composite infrastructure is that I can buy whatever server I want, I can buy whatever storage I want, and I want to combine them in the way I want. Okay? Meaning that if it's a data center-wide composable infrastructure, uh, I want, I don't know, a software layer or whatever it is, standard APIs, 
put it in the way you want it, but I want something that I say, okay, this week I, I want to buy 100 uh, super microservers, the next week 100 Dells, and they just have to work together. So what are these essential components of composable infrastructure? Because it seems to me that, I mean, we've heard about heterogeneous, you know, basically buying from different vendors and different components that would, should work together. We've heard about integration. Yep. Um, we've heard about dynam dynamism and flexibility. What are the things that it needs to be in order to be composable infrastructure? For me, I think having the API or the ability to ability for the for software to in, uh, interact with the hardware and its lifecycle operations via an API is priority number one. It, it without a, without an API element, that's not composable. I could see that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the table stakes. If you can't, uh, if software can't talk to it and control it through an API, standard API, yeah. then it can't be composable. Yeah. Okay? What about uh, multi-vendor? So, again, standard API, so multi-vendor, no longer a problem. Okay? Maybe you have different resources from different vendors, and you can treat them differently. Okay? But anyway, there are new protocols now, like NVMe or NVMe... You know, uh, sharing an, F an NVMe device now is way easier. We, we had the proof uh, a few weeks ago at, uh, at uh, a Tech Field Day event that uh, these guys uh, brought uh, um, a, a, very, a very nice example. So uh, an NVMe device is shared to a, a remote server. That, that's great because it means, okay, I can just... Uh, uh, go on the other side of the data center, borrow these resources, attach them to my server or whatever, and that's it. Okay? And also, for the networking stuff, should be something similar. So yes, standard APIs that work for everybody. I know that we are very, very far from that. I think from a multi-vendor standpoint as well, it's important for it to be truly composable across all the vendors, that standardized interconnectivity. Um, well, that begs the question, mm -hmm. it reminds me of software-defined networking, SDN. Is SDN a requirement of composable infrastructure? I don't think it is today, and I'd probably even argue that it's not just SDN. It's the actual hardware fabric, be that uh, InfiniBand networks or be ah. that um, some sort of I.O. pass-through module, whatever that could be, that is standard, something driven by SNARE, for example, uh, that all the vendors um, can partake in. Uh, that would be the biggest enabler for us to have that multi-vendor composable infrastructure. Uh, could, could it be that uh, we need uh, a different kind of networking hardware to make the, the... I'm not a networking guy, so maybe I'm out of my field, but actually, so composable infrastructure at the networking level... So I can see it at, at the storage level with NVMe, okay, with the evolution... Fabric, that we, NVMe over fabric. Yeah, yeah, this kind of... Uh, Technology, okay. Maybe we need to uh, to find something at the networking level to reorganize the layer two of the infrastructure. Because when you think about SDN, you think about uh, upper layers, okay. So dynamic reconfiguration and uh, virtualization of the upper layers. But actually, we are thinking here about connecting physical resources. So we are at a lower layer, and maybe we need a new uh, concept of uh, layer 2 SDN somehow. I think it's probably even a level further up. Um, we're probably talking connecting different SOC on chip, you know, SOC architectures uh, at a hardware level um, so that 
something like Synergy, for example, can have an you know can have a connectivity to use some of the resources from a MX platform or something. You know, I'm just using examples out of the products that, that are available today. But what if we have a common framework where they use those technologies to bring the hardware ecosystem together? You know, for example, the um, the HPE machine project was talking about using photonics to bridge that hmm. gap between CPU and memory. What if you can have CPU and memory from different vendors all talk, talking to each other through some sort of an open standard photonics platform? You know, that's, that's what's going to be a genuine multi-vendor composable infrastructure to me. Yeah, but we are back to the fact that uh, these are not standard approaches. So we have to wait Intel and AMD stepping into the game and build some sort of standard so that everybody can build on top of the standard their product. Because without questioning the quality of this implementation today, they are, you know, uh, they are not standard. Yeah. So they, they are designed by a team that doesn't talk with the other That teams. has a vested interest in promoting their own. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a question for SNEA, really. Very interesting to see whether SNEA is actually working on anything similar. Well, and that's and, and maybe not even SNEA, too. I mean, the thing is, you've also got uh, composable infrastructure based on uh, PCI fabrics. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly um, you've got composable infrastructure based on Ethernet. Uh, that's why I bring up SDN. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you mentioned photonics. Um, you could also say that technologies like the open compute, uh, yep. you know, Facebook servers, yep. are potentially enabling this kind of stuff. Um, you know, we do, because you do need some kind of flexible backplane, because the idea is that. Um, I think ideally what it seems to me is that composable infrastructure would require you to have some sort of di di disentanglement of compute, storage, you know, I.O., maybe memory, I don't know, um, you know, storage class memory, you know, you can mix all this stuff in here um, so that you can kind of mix and match and build a server as you want. So it's kind of like hardware except it's like virtualization, but in hardware. Sort hardware of. as a service. Yeah. And, and, and all these things kind of go into that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, maybe it seems like maybe it's not just the next generation server. Maybe this really is a revolution. You know, you mentioned HP's The Machine. Uh, what a crazy name, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's exciting stuff. Uh, I don't see it, though. No, not quite. I think... While the vision of the composable infrastructure uh, is great and the possibilities of what you can do for it to be genuinely composable um, is yet to pan out, the current implementations are pretty much uh, s driven by the, 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 each of the vendors through their PR engines and the marketing engines to, um, to favor their own. And it's limited in terms of what they advocate there. It's limited by their generation one capabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the, and it's important for us to also understand that the current composable benefits that you see and read from all the key vendors and their PR engines coming out, you know, marketing messaging coming out from the engines are not really talking about the true benefits of compo composable infrastructure. They're more about just next generation hardware evolution uh, that everybody has, not just composable fabrics, uh, infrastructures, but even legacy you know, uh, rack-based compute uh, platforms. They all have the same, so you need to uh, distinguish between the two as well. Yep. I think that uh, um, if we don't reach the rack scale or data center scale kind of composable infrastructure, it's not really composable. Correct. So uh, we, 
now all these guys are talking about their new product, which is better than the older one, which always happens, of course. Yeah, surprise, our new yeah. product is great. Yeah. Our old one kind of sucked. And, uh, but, but again, it's uh, back to the initial point. It's, you know, a better version of the, the belief. We are not ready, technically. And probably also the customers are not ready. And there are very few customers today that are ready to uh, embrace that kind of uh, data center redesign. Exactly. And they also have the, the other threat of the cloud platforms that take that compos composability outside of hardware and implement that in software to a large level. So most of these data center vendors um, have to up their game a little bit. So I think for me, you know, taking a step back a little bit, the whole concept of composability or the kinetic infrastructure kind of emanated from that as well, um, where people can just pin up any resource, be that compute resource you know, as a VM or be that a microservices uh, resource uh, you know, um, solution on a, on a platform where they don't have to manage infrastructure, or it could be something like serverless. So there's so many choices when it comes to running their content. And on the data center world, they haven't really had that. You always have to have a server. You always, always have to have a you know, VM as a use case. So composability is another um, attack, I suppose, uh, or another way of the data center vendors up in their game a little bit. Whereas for me, the true composability means all of those things that we talked about earlier. And that's a few generations out, if it ever happens. One of the things you just mentioned actually spurs a thought in my head, and I think that it's worth discussing now. Um, is composable infrastructure the exact opposite of serverless? In other words, serverless, the whole thing that you're doing is you're creating, um, I mean, it's not truly serverless. Yes, yeah. we know, there's a server. Thank you for pointing <laughs> that out. Um, but the whole point of serverless is that you're creating services that can, that can run anywhere and that can be distributed and that can scale massively. You could have thousands of instances or one instance that they can all work together with a you know coordinating you know application, yep. and so basically you know it is serverless in that the they're just functions and you just call these functions as needed and the functions run anywhere. Serverless doesn't need fancy hardware. It doesn't need um, well specifically it doesn't need composable infrastructure. Yep. Uh, well, are I these do. things the exact opposite approaches to try to do the same thing, which is to make things scale? and flexible? I don't think it's true. In, in the sense that uh, serverless is a programming approach at the end of the day, okay? And probably you need specific resource to run the functions, okay? But if you are a large service provider and you want to build your infrastructure, you need databases, you need uh, you know, virtual machines, you need uh, uh, specialized machines that run serverless workloads. So you want to uh, you know, optimize your uh, infrastructure in real time. So if today you see that there is a, a growth in serverless function, okay, you assign more uh, hardware resources to that, and, uh, and tomorrow maybe you can remove some of these resources, okay? And these machines are different from database machines, because probably to run serverless you need more RAM, more CPU, but probably no storage or little storage, okay? So uh, I don't think they are uh, in opposition to each other. I, I think that uh, it's, uh, um, you know, that serverless uh, or all the other services that uh, um, service provider is running, okay? 
is uh, our, you know, uh, our perfect match for composable infrastructures. I think, yeah, I think um, they're not mutually exclusive is, is what I'd probably say. Um, there are different tools in the box that the customers have uh, that they can use to achieve things differently, different things differently, but they can also work together. You know, you made a good point about, Enrico, about the uh, fact that if you had a composable infrastructure and a serverless or the function as a service platform running on top of that, depending on the demand, um, you can re reallocate additional hardware, compute, memory, and storage resources on the fly uh, to those serverless fabric. Um, so they can be used together as well, but I think there are different ways of... But is it even important to do that? I mean, I don't know, that seems totally pointless. I I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I mean, if you've got a web scale... Uh, if you've got an environment that can host web scale applications and you can build function as a service on it, who really cares about you know, dynamically allocating memory? Just make a whole herd of cattle yep. and redeploy the whole cow, not just the cow's, like, left side. Yeah, what that, do we that assumes, then, you have an infinite, infinite pool of hardware resources underneath, right? And while that may be true in a cloud or a megascale platform, in, for the average customer or the average enterprise that has a finite hardware resources, where it's shared across different use cases, different, uh, different teams, et cetera, et cetera, I think that reallocation of resources still could be a viable um, choice because they don't, have, you know, they don't have the ability to just create additional um, functions and then place them elsewhere so they're, they're, for it to be executed. They're not web scale, and they're also not function as a service, so they're not serverless. They'll never be serverless. Yeah. They just need some resources. Well, we, we can also think a, a, about the fact that if you have a, uh, a data center that is as large as a football field, you want everything at, you know, perfectly efficient all the time. And if the cost of uh, uh, having a composable infrastructure is similar to a traditional infrastructure, why not? So it comes to the cost. Okay, if I can buy x86 standard server for a very low price and a composable, you know, part of it costs me twice, well, maybe I'm not the guy that I buy these kind of things because I have so many servers that, yes, it doesn't make any sense. But if it costs the same and I can tune everything, and uh, when I have a, a new service or, you know, uh, workloads that need the kind of resources, just a little bit of tuning on the, on the infrastructure and it works. So it will come later when, uh, uh, this kind of discussion will come later when the, we will know how much does it cost to have this, this kind of infrastructure first and when we will be able to build an entire data center that is composable. So is composable, who's the customer for composable? Is it enterprise or is it hyperscale? Definitely enterprises for me. Got it. You agree? No. Oh, <laughs> I can't even agree on that. Okay. No, no, no. So um, if you have a rack scale kind of composable infrastructure, maybe. But I see the very big advantage of uh, this kind of technology in larger infrastructure. So it's ensure it's, it's about the, you know, the, the, the size of the infrastructure. So sure, it's not the chassis level, probably rack scale, enterprise, larger configurations, hyperscaler, well, web scale kind of guys.
I think if you look at the need for the invention of, you know, outside of the PR necessity of having to have a credit, you know, something new uh, to combat the threat of cloud platforms, outside of that, um, if you look at the reasoning for um, composable infrastructure, it is to, pro to find a solution for that resource uh, imbalance at the hardware level, right? That, that's, their, that's their main play. Um, at a cloud scale platform, the need for that for me is very less because of their economic model and the scale they have and the ability that they have within software to go into very modular um, distribution of resources, hardware resources. So that's why for me, you know, it's, it's probably not really that applicable for the mega scalers because they can afford to have that resource imbalance because they'll fill those imbalances through software innovation. Whereas enterprises don't have that level of dev capability unless you're a massive enterprise that can spend the same R&D as AWS or, mm -hmm. or Azure. Where for them, having the ability, just like you can up and, you know, uh, increase virtual RAM, virtual CPU into a VM, having the same flexibility in, at the hardware layer is more relevant to them. Yeah, we already discussed that on this podcast, is uh, you're not Facebook. You know, why are you trying to pretend to be Facebook? Exactly. You know, if you're an enterprise, um, you, know, you need a different kind of approach. And I, I really agree with you, Chan, on this one. I think that, uh, that it really is a great solution for enterprise. Honestly, I look at Composable more as Virtualization 2.0 than as Blades 2.0. Very correct. Um, uh, am, I, am I wrong about that, Enrico? No. So if we take it as, uh, you know, if it works, and at the Rask scale, I agree, it depends on the cost anyway. If it will, uh, too ex it will be too expensive, then... Uh, no hyperscaler and probably neither the uh, enterprises will adopt it. If the cost is similar to traditional approaches, or you know just that bit that uh, makes uh, it interesting, then yes, I agree that enterprises, address scale, and larger organizations, larger you know data centers at the data center scale will adopt it. It's a huge uh, paradigm shift. And the way you design and consume data center resources. Final word? No, I really like your analogy of um, likening the um, composable infrastructure to virtualization 2.04 hardware. Uh, that is very true. I agree with that. Uh, I would like to see the, the community of vendors working together, like we discussed initially, to provide that hardware abstraction uh, and the interoperability across different platforms, maybe you know, through SNEA or through some open compute platform to extend the true compos composability out of the hardware infrastructure to be multi-vendor. Uh, until then, for me, uh, it's got limited use cases. Enrico? I totally agree. And I agree too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable. If you enjoyed this discussion, remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes since that really helps our visibility. And please share the show with your friends. Again, we're on Twitter at OnPremiseIT. You can also find us at Gestalt IT. And this podcast was brought to you by Gestalt IT, your home for IT coverage across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>